are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an August 11th Thursday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a contributor for BlazersEdge.com and a former Blazer beat writer from the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back. There's some great things happening right now on the Locked On Podcast Network, and the majority of today's show will center on one of those great things, which was Blazers head coach Terry Stotts joining David Locke on the Locked On NBA podcast. David, of course, is the founder of the Locked On Podcast Network. David is also the host of Locked On Jazz. Of course, he's also the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz. And he had your head coach, Terry Stotts, on the podcast to talk about a variety of things. And I chopped up and brought you what I thought were the best clips from that interview. It was a great interview. It was a, you know, a fun laid back time as it often is with Terry Stotts. Uh, they talked a little bit about golfing and traveling and things that he does to kind of unwind from the season. Terry Stotts, obviously a very, uh, relaxed guy on the sidelines most of the time at least that's what players say as well and he he definitely looks like it when he's out there coaching but locked on nba isn't the only great content that we have on the locked on podcast network we're continuing to grow i know that we are minimizing our content schedule right now we are going only a couple times a week because there's not a whole lot going on once again there are no blazers in the olympics there is just not a whole lot happening and we're going mostly two times a week, and then we will pick it back up to five times a week once we get closer to the season. But Locked On Blazers, Locked On NBA, Locked On Jazz are not the only offerings that we have on the the Locked On Podcast Network. We also have Locked On Fantasy Basketball, hosted by Josh Lloyd, where you can get your info early on who you need to be targeting in your fantasy basketball draft, whether it, you know, whatever kind of draft you're at, snake draft, auction, all that stuff. Then we also have Locked On NFL, and we have the almost the entire NBA covered at this point, but the NFL team is growing, and the NFL season is coming. The preseason's already starting. I know the Hall of Fame game had a little snafu, but they are uh, the, the the NFL preseason is starting up. I know fantasy drafts are already starting. I have mine in a couple of weeks with my with my buddies in my fantasy football league. So I'll definitely be listening to Locked On Fantasy Football, which we do have on the Locked On Podcast Network. We also have Locked On NFL, Locked On Buccaneers, Locked On Eagles, Locked On Patriots, and much more to come as well. So definitely be sure be on the lookout for your team, Locked On Raiders, if you're a Raider fan. So definitely look for the Lockdowns for your favorite team, NFL or NBA, because we're going to have those for you in covering the entire league, everything that you want uh, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And of course, we will be covering the Blazers right here on Lockdown Blazers. And that brings us to the interview with Terry Stotts and David Locke which I recapped for you here today. I brought you some of the best clips from that interview, what I thought were probably some of the most relevant clips to Blazers, Blazers fans, a couple interesting just NBA 
theory of the game clips that that Terry and David talked about two very smart guys having a great conversation about the NBA and one of the early questions that David asked Stotts was was did last year's Blazers season surprise him and here's what he had to say you know I I thought we were going to be okay. I didn't ever put a uh, number of wins. I very seldom, if ever, put a projected win total or a goal of a win total. Um, It was just different last year with the fact that our goal was always to – we had a lot of young players. It was about player development and getting better individually and collectively as the season went along. And and that's what we did. So in that sense – the season went the way we wanted it to because, I mean, taking wins and losses out of it, our players got better and we got better as a team. So I wasn't surprised at that. Um, but, you know, the, I, I like the way that we responded after uh, a first uh, first half of the season that we struggled and had some tough losses and we bounced back the second half of the season. Uh, we showed some resiliency. Uh, the guys kept working and uh, never got down and it, it worked out really well. But, you know, I've, I didn't know how we were going to be. I never thought that we were going to be as bad as some of the projections were. But uh, I think when we won the opening night against uh, New Orleans, we, and we won relatively handily, and New Orleans was projected to be a playoff team. And when we won that game, I said, you know, I don't know where this season's going to go, but we're, we're going to be okay. I mean, we're, we, we're going to play hard, we're going to win some games, and we're going to get better. Well, about four nights later, you went into Utah and were unguardable. Well, it was, uh, you're right. I'm looking at the schedule. That was our fifth game of the season. And, uh, we had dropped a couple to Phoenix, beat Minnesota on a game that we came from behind. And then, uh, beating Utah was, uh, little did we know that was, uh, that ended up being a pretty important game for us because, uh, how the season ended and how close we were. David asked Terry, uh, another really interesting question, uh, after that about, historical analogs in in the history of the NBA that kind of mirror what the Blazers are doing right now with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Teams talk a lot about having lots of playmakers, but really the Blazers are really quite unique in the fact that they have two guards that are so skilled in the pick and roll. As I mentioned, when they re-signed C.J. McCollum, they had the two best efficiency ratings of any duo in the pick and roll in the league. And Stotts, had some interesting recollections of teams that the Blazers' offensive attack reminds him of. Uh, you know, I'd have to look at teams throughout the years. I mean, you look at—I mean, really—you go back. The, the team that really comes to mind, as far as that goes, is Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas back in the late '80s with Detroit. But uh, I think the league has certainly uh, evolved into having multiple playmakers and. You know, the days of having a point guard uh, run the show and get the ball to the post or get the ball to your shooters, um, it's certainly still important for them to do that job. But I think more and more, and you look at uh, you look at Golden State uh, as a prime example of having multiple players who can have who can do multiple things. They can dribble, pass, and shoot, and bringing more skill into the game. So um, I like the direction. I, I'm always I've always been a big proponent of having skilled players and 
when you have when you have guys like that, it uh, it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. Well, you, you got to say that uh, hearing comparisons to Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas probably has to sound good if you're a Blazer fan because those teams won two championships. I know it's uh, it's much tougher. There were no Golden State Warriors with three of the best shooters ever on the same team and one of the best defensive players, but you know, that has to sound good. And I I think it's, it's a fair comparison because the Blazers do have a ton of talent and it it is a unique attack. And you throw in a shooting big man like Myers Leonard, potentially who can kind of play that Bill Lambeer role, which what, you know, we'll, we'll get to a little Lambeer talk later on in the podcast that Stott's got to, but those are some interesting teams to come to mind. And if you're, you know, if you're thinking that that's a pretty good comparison right there, Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas, that's a that's a really good comparison to 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 have for your team. And I don't think that Stotts is just saying that because he's their coach, because it, it really is uh, that that was one of the great teams and they were led by a bunch of scoring guards. So uh, it is possible to win like that in the NBA. It doesn't happen often. I think a lot of times people's perception of those types of teams are colored by recency bias teams like the bucks with monte ellis and brandon jennings or the phoenix suns teams with eric bledsoe and goran dragic come to mind and those those are experiments that didn't really go so well but i think it's a little bit different with the blazers with cj mccollum and damian lillard and uh, another thing that came up in the podcast was uh, a topic that definitely related to the Blazers last year. And that was whether you can extrapolate someone's performance in limited minutes to what they would do in starters minutes. And a lot of times I will say that I I kind of hate that method of analysis. I know that on the internet, it gets really used a lot. And I think abused when people talk about things like per 36 minute stats, or even sometimes per possession stats, when guys don't have really the right number of possessions to really make a, a judgment on how good they are. And Stotts talked about that as well as the learning curve that players have in new roles with new teammates and how they adjust to that. You know, I think in general there's a, a, the law of diminishing returns uh, at some point, and it's the special player, obviously, that that there isn't. But uh, – I, I think it's difficult to extrapolate too much into that to think a guy can do the same thing in, in 30 minutes that he did in 15 minutes or he can do the same thing in 20 minutes that he did in 7 minutes. So I think that's uh, you got to have a, a good understanding uh, of the player and uh, a feel for him. Now, we didn't know uh, going into the season, we certainly knew that – all those guys would have more opportunity, whether it's CJ or Allen or Farouk or Mason Plumley. Uh, all those guys were going to have more opportunity than they had had previously, and and they knew it too, and they were ready for that opportunity. Now, uh, I think we all knew that CJ could score, uh, but he got stronger. You know, he had gotten injured. Uh, in each of the three previous seasons, senior year in college and his first two years in the NBA. But he really worked on his strength, uh, worked on his ball handling, and was able to log some pretty heavy minutes for a guy who hadn't played that much. Uh, Alan Crabb found his niche in being able to move without the ball for his first two years. I think his... You know, he didn't shoot the ball as well as, as he would have liked, but uh, he was ready for the opportunity. And 
and say, and you go down the line. So I don't know that uh, I, I understand what you're saying about trying to put those numbers into context when they're when they're not playing a lot of possessions. But that's when you have to have a feel for your players, and again, hope that they ra- uh, that they rise to the occasion. Yeah, you hope that there's a learning curve and uh, there's a comfort curve, and I think the biggest I think the biggest challenge for players um, coming into the league are the ones that have been starters, whether they're coming in from college and having always been a starter, and then trying to figure out how to play coming off the bench, or for players who have been starters in this league and now they're trying to come off the bench. That, I think that's the biggest adjustment. I don't think players necessarily have a difficulty becoming starters other than the fact that, um, you know, you you want it to fit. You want the starters to fit. Uh, you know, one, one of the reasons we started Noah Vonley was because we wanted him to fit with the starters because he was a player that didn't necessarily need to have the ball, and we had C.J. and Damien out there, and so there are reasons for that. But certainly uh as in most things in life as you mentioned is uh you you get better the more you do something is terry stotts a dramatically better coach than he was in atlanta and milwaukee as the difference in his record would suggest since he left those two jobs i don't know uh, i think i'm a better coach now uh you know dramatically i don't know it's uh, i feel i have a better grasp of of how I want to coach. Uh, I think I see the game a little differently. Um, I'm more comfortable in, in my philosophy and how to, uh, communicate my philosophy. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg as well as, you know, we've had some good success here and, uh, we've been able to, to build on it. Um, you know, I was proud of the, what of, uh, particularly um, in Atlanta, the second half of the season where we were over 500, the second half of the season in my first year, I, I was, um, you know, the team played hard. In the second half of the season, my my second year there, after we had made the trade and traded away Theo Ratliff and Sharif Abdul Rahim, and basically gutted the team, that the team continued to compete and played well. Same thing in Milwaukee. You know, we had a 10 game increase over the previous year, my first season. So there were there were moral victories. There were uh, you know, the things that I was proud of, even though it doesn't necessarily show in the final record, uh, if you look back 10 years and say, well, that it really was non-remarkable, but, or unremarkable, but, but to your question, I do think that, uh, that I, I would like to think that I'm a better coach now than I was then. And it's just to a degree, I'm not sure what that degree would be. How do you see the game differently? Um, uh, I see, you know, the the NBA game has changed. Certainly, uh, it's more perimeter oriented. Um, it's uh, not as much of a post up game, and uh, so uh, offensively, I, I see it that way. I think the biggest thing for me was uh, in my first two stops. You know, I've been with George Carl for uh, the majority, if not all, of my career, and he was the primary, if not only, influence that I had, and which was, you know, which was great. But uh, going to Dallas and being in Dallas for four years and being with Rick Carlisle and looking at it at a different way and how Rick coached the game and managed the game and communicated with his players gave me a different perspective. And I think it allowed me to to see things and do things the way I felt were comfortable for me and the team. You heard Terry Stotts there mentioning 
his time in Atlanta. And one funny thing that I learned uh, when working and covering the team uh, closely was that Terry Stotts was actually the head coach for the Atlanta Hawks during Rasheed Wallace's famous one-game stint with the Hawks before he was traded to the Detroit Pistons, where he helped the Pistons win a championship. And Stotts referred to the gutting of that team, trading Sharif Abdul-Rahim and Theo Ratliff, who, of course, were traded to Portland for Rasheed Wallace. And Stotts remembers that time. It was a close game. They they only lost by six points. Rasheed Wallace had a pretty decent game. Uh, he had 20 points in that game, six rebounds, didn't shoot too well from the field. But, you know, you look at that team, and they might have been pretty good if they had stuck together. Obviously, the the Hawks management had ideas to kind of split the team up, but, you know, they had some players that ended up, you know, making – making really good careers for themselves. You look at the starting five for that game, uh, uh, Rasheed Wallace's only game with the Atlanta Hawks when he wore number, I think it was number 36. I, I can't even remember at this point, but he played 42 minutes in that game. And that the starting five for that team was Rasheed Wallace, Jason Terry, Steven Jackson, Joel Prisbilla, and Boris Diaw. And four out of those five guys on that team all ended up winning championships. So obviously Rasheed Wallace that year, Jason Terry winning one with, with Stotts in 2011 with the Dallas Mavericks, Boris Diaw getting one in 2014, and Steven Jackson also got one with the San Antonio Spurs when he was on the Spurs. So yeah, you know, you, you you look at those teams and you look at the guys on that team and you're like, wow, they had they had some good names. Wesley Person, a longtime NBA veteran, Jacques Vaughn, who of course became the coach for the Orlando Magic a couple of years ago, was an assistant for the Spurs. But kind of a funny historical note there that although Stotts' season and that Hawks season didn't end particularly well, he was part of one of the weirder historical moments in NBA history with coaching Rasheed Wallace during the the one game that he had in his brief career with the Atlanta Hawks. And speaking of history, uh, one of my one of my favorite parts of of the interview also had to do with something that Stotts has talked about a lot, which were the old Sonics teams that he coached for. If you don't know, Stotts was an assistant coach for the 90s Sonics teams, which were perennial contenders in the Western Conference for a long time. They once played the Chicago Bulls in the finals. And now that we live in this era of three-point shooting and having your big men shoot threes and where spacing has become the ultimate buzzword best practice in the NBA, his teams were kind of pioneers in that respect. But uh, and, And so David asked him about that and and those teams with Sam Perkins, who shot a lot of three-pointers at center alongside Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, Nate McMillan, and asked him about those teams and what he thinks about them. Terry, let me go. We'll go all the way back. When you were with George in Seattle and you had Sam Perkins lifted as the shooting five, did you know this is where the game was going? (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, certainly not to that extent. Um, you know, if you look at the shooting 
league wide back in the nineties, if you looked how many, how many threes shot, uh, how many teams, how many threes that teams shot. And even Sam Perkins, who is now remembered as a three point shooting big man. If you look and see how many threes he shot when he was in Seattle, it was, it would pale to what shooting big man do now. But, um, I think, at that time, we understood the spacing. Um, you know, we had Sean Kemp on the block and being able to space the court, especially back then you had the old illegal defensive rules. So being able to lift the player and, uh, and have him spread the court. But, you know, Don Nelson had minute bowl shooting threes. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Bill Lambeer shot some threes. So it wasn't a novel concept. Terry Mills was a center who shot threes, but it's certainly not to the extent that it is today. So did Terry Stotts have a lot of fun coaching and watching those Blazers Warriors games, both during the regular season and in the playoffs? Uh, it was it, it, because it's really, it's really good basketball. I remember, you know, one thing Steve Kerr said after our series was that, uh, you know, he enjoyed watching us play, even though we're playing against him. And I felt the same thing with golden state. It was, it was fun basketball for me. It was up and down. It was good passing. It was shot making. Uh, it was competitive. Uh, you had individual matchups. There were, there was a lot going on that, I that you enjoy watching, but it's also, you know, you're coaching the game, thinking, trying to figure out answers uh, to the problems that are being posed. The last couple of clips I want to play for you have to do with what makes Damian Lillard so special. And on top of that, a question that David asked him about approaching a new season with essentially the same group from last year. Can you bring, can you truly bring back the same group that you had last year? Can it, is it ever going to be the same and could it even potentially maybe be a detriment? I mean, so really interesting questions here at the end of this interview with David Locke and Terry Stotts. Uh, Damian Lillard has some very special characteristics. What are they? Uh, you know, beyond the basketball, I think uh, the, what I appreciate from a coaching standpoint is that he is, uh, he's extremely competitive. Uh, he's extremely demanding of himself. Uh, he's a great leader by example. Uh, he has a tremendous work ethic uh, that, uh, you know, kind of transcends what he does. So now when you throw all those things in and you're leading a young team and your best players, uh, and p- coaches have said this for, for decades that, you know, you want your best player to be your best leader and that's what we have or, or vice versa. And that, that makes it, uh, easier for me as a coach. Certainly he has the respect of his teammates. And that's not even talking about the basketball part that everybody sees. I don't think that there is, uh, that, you can that there's a formula that's uh for sure for every team uh i think people talk about how important continuity is and so that kind of flies in the face uh you know we've made a couple changes we've added evan turner and festus Sazili, and we brought a lot of players back so uh i don't necessarily agree with that uh certainly i think the thing that i probably agree with is every and i think i've heard coach popovich say this that every team every season it's a new team even with the same guys back every year is a new team and you have to approach it like that and that's that's what i will do next year is uh you know a lot of people have, will have talked to everybody i've heard it from uh how much 
people appreciated what we did last year, but next season is a new season, and that's that's the way I'm going to approach it. Our staff will and uh, convince our players that that's what we need to do. So there you have it. Uh, that concludes the uh, best of Terry Stotts' one-on-one interview with Locked On NBA and host David Locke, who is the founder of this great Locked On podcast network, which continues to grow, continues to get better, continues to produce content for you. And it is Thursday. Right now it's about 1130 local time here in Portland. And the NBA is slated to release a full schedule for the upcoming season later today in about three hours from now. We will have one more podcast this week. We are going to break our two podcast rule because we had this great interview from Terry Stotts. We had the schedule coming out. So we're definitely going to do one more podcast when the schedule is released to recap the important dates on the schedule. There's already been one report that the Blazers are expected to play on Christmas Day against the Los Angeles Lakers, according to Travis Demers from Radio 620 AM here in Portland. Of course, the that is the Blazers radio affiliate here in Portland. And we will get confirmation on that. We will get confirmation on all the other important games regarding the Blazers opening night, games against teams that they'll be battling for playoff seeds with, games against the Warriors, games against the Cavaliers, which I'm sure you'll want to know about. So we are going to have all that information, a brief immediate reaction at the very least later on this week once we get the schedule, which is slated to come out in a couple hours. We will have reaction right here for you on your podcast feed for Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can get us on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher. Tell a friend who's a Blazers fan about this podcast. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a five-star review. It's a big help. It is good for us, and we would really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back again before the week is done, talking the NBA schedule release, and we'll see you then. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.